Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk about an issue that many people have been scared to talk about, many people in our world are uncomfortable with, or they think the church has this hard-line nose, or a hard-nosed line. <laughs> I don't know how that works. They're tough <laughs> when it comes to the subject of divorce. I want you to see what the word really has to say about it, because it affects every family. Maybe not directly to you, but maybe directly or indirectly. I want you to see what the Word says. Go ahead and look in your Bibles in Mark chapter 10. Through the years, the church has evolved in in many different ways with different subjects, and they've started to see the message of grace and the power that God has to heal and touch any person's life. But through the years, the overall church itself has sometimes made mistakes. In its hunger to do righteous and to chase after God, they've made mistakes. They've said things that were hurtful and didn't push people to Jesus. They pushed people away from Jesus. And uh, I have to tell you, I've seen that through the years. I saw that as a kid growing up. The first time I ever knew anybody who was getting a divorce, I was in seventh grade. And before that, I I didn't know anybody. Maybe I just wasn't aware of it because I was a kid. But I remember our friends that uh, I went over to spend the night with my buddy, and his mom and dad had announced that they were getting a divorce. And they didn't want their son alone that night. And uh, years back, they used to be the postmaster here in Silvis. And they had asked, they said, can Scott come over and spend the night with Brad and uh, be here because we don't want him just to be alone because the mom was leaving. Boy, that was the weirdest night ever. Just because knowing that I thought when I ever heard of the subject of divorce, wasn't that when dads left and mom stayed to take care of the kids? But in this one, the mom was leaving and the dad was staying. And it was just so weird just to hang out. We played ping pong. We did a lot of different things, played cards that night. We ate pizza, and we stayed up really late. And I just remember my friend saying to me this. He said, I don't know what I did to make my mom and dad get a divorce. We were both in seventh grade. Talk about confusing. You know, the biggest thing you need to worry about in seventh grade is how many pimples you have. And, of course, you get the biggest one on picture day. So here's how we're going to start it out. Family relations are a part of the bedrock of our culture. Husband-wife relationships are under attack in our world and our community in every which way. It deals with the idea of traditional marriage versus those that within same sex want to be able to call what they have marriage. And, of course, Scripture doesn't call it that. There are those that are shacking up. They're having sex outside of marriage. They don't want to wait. Or they say, well, we're living together because we really care about each other and we're saving money to get married. Other times, people who get married and divorced every couple of years, they just like the idea of being married, but they get fed up with the person that they're with every few years and go ahead and trade them in for a newer model. The truth is, divorce hurts everyone. It hurts everybody involved in it. So they decide not to marry the next time it comes around. person says, I've gone through all the heartache and the pain. Let's just live together and let's not have all the, the bondages of marriage. Let's just see how this thing works out. Other times there are people that have gone through broken relationships. I want to tell you, if some of you remember, and you teenagers that are here, you'll remember the hurts when your first boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you and the world seems like it has ended, and you don't know what you're going to do, and, you know, you're just in high school, and you're trying to figure out what love and life is really all about. Or those that, uh, 
well, years ago, a couple came in from our community and asked if I would do their wedding. We sat down and talked, and I wanted to get to know them. And the girl spoke up, and she said, well, she said, I was reading in this one magazine, and she said, I've decided, and, and let's just change the boy's name. Let's call him Kurt, okay? I've decided that Kurt is the one that I want to have for my first practice marriage. And I looked at her, and I said, what, what are you talking about? She said, well, and she mentioned the magazine. She said, they told in this magazine an article that most first marriages don't make it. So we should find someone who is loving and compassionate that we can experiment and find out what we really want in a relationship so that our second marriage will be one that will last longer. And I looked at her and I said, well, I don't do practice marriages. And, of course, they left the room after that point. Can you imagine a magazine telling you to try to find a practice marriage? The thing is this. Let, let's take a look at what Scripture has to talk about here. Because, you know, some folks live their whole life and don't marry somebody, and they're just as happy as ever. Some folks get married and stay married a long time. Other folks go through marriage and they have a relationship and something happens that they get hurt or they get offended or something happens that they harm the relationship. And it seems like the only answer is to get a divorce. But I have to tell you, God gives us some word for us to know how to live by and he also seasons it with grace. So hear it in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. And he answered and he said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Okay, let's take these nine verses, let's unpack them and, and see what they really mean to us here, okay? These people were religious agitators. These Pharisees, they come along here and they're wanting to try to stir things up because they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like what he was teaching or talking about, and so they thought, let's try to catch him in his own words. Have you ever been around somebody that's just looking to have a fight they come at you and they want to talk about something, but you know they already have a pre-planned agenda and they're looking to get even or to try to prove you wrong. You know, most of the time those kind of comments or those type of arguments or relationships, they, they don't work out. So what's the word talking about here? These people came and they said to Jesus, is it lawful, is it right for anyone to get a divorce? What, what's... What do you think about this? And so Jesus says to them, because they knew the law, they knew the Old Testament, what did Moses have to say about it? Well, Moses said that a man could write a divorce certificate to a woman and divorce her. So let's stop here just for a minute. You've got to remember the cultural ties back then. The man was viewed as the overall authority in any relationship. So the woman at that time in that culture didn't have many rights or privileges, but the man was in control. I want you to remember back in Genesis chapter 1, as it talks about creation in Genesis chapter 2, God said he created male and female, that they were together supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creeps upon the face of the earth. Man is never to control a woman. And any man who thinks he is in control of a woman doesn't have much of a woman. Ladies, you have opinions, you have thoughts, and you have rights, and God gave those to you. Can I get an amen? Well, pastor, I knew you were one of those pushovers. Let me tell you something what. There's nothing sissy about me. Don't ever try to think that. Or if somebody ever says to you, oh, your pastor, he just favors women. Well, first of all, I love women. My mother was a woman. Well, she still is. <laughs> My wife is a woman. 
my three daughters are all women. It's a good thing. Some of us were meant to raise women. Oh, a pastor. Does that mean, you know? Let me tell you, like I just said, there's nothing feminine about me. This week, Sammy Rath has spent the week with us while his parents have been on uh, a vacation, a trip away from the family. They wanted to get away from him. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Sorry about that. You know what? A boy is completely different than a girl. Did you ever know that? Wow. If you didn't know that, let me tell you, it is. Not in a bad way, but I want you to understand we've had a lot of fun, and it's been an experience thinking to myself, oh, you know, one night Dylan came over to eat and spend time with, with Sammy, and my wife had made homemade tacos for us and everything else, and, and she was going to, we finished up eating downstairs, and she went upstairs to go ahead because she was unpacking her winter clothes and putting the summer clothes away. She was taking care of that. As soon as she went upstairs, the boys got more manly. They almost became too manly for me. And I told them one day when they get married, they would become more chickified. That they would understand. And that's a word we used in our house all the time, especially when Hallmark movies came on. You know, are you chickified enough to be able to handle this right here? Relationships are tough. How do we make them work? How do we make what Scripture has to say work? Because the verses underneath, uh, underneath this here, they even say that if someone who is divorced gets remarried, that they commit adultery. That's what the law said. So what does that mean? Does that mean if somebody's been divorced, they can never get remarried? What in the world does it mean? Think about that girl who thought she was going to have a practice marriage. I don't know how long she was going to practice on the guy before she said, get out. I'm ready to get a new model. And yet sometimes we forget about how hurt people are when they go through a divorce. Oh, if you're on the side of someone who didn't treat you right, it can be devastating. It's just like taking and sticking a knife into your own heart. Why? Because did you catch those verses when it said here, the two shall become one flesh so that they're no longer two but one? What happens at that moment when covenant is formed and relationship happens, it's not just the physical act of intercourse that brings them together as one flesh, but their spirits are joined together. Even in one part of Scripture, it says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. So what happens is your spirits, as you come together as husband and wife, you immediately become ten thousand times stronger spiritually because of the unity that happens between the two of you. So what happens when there's this unity and all of a sudden we rip it apart? Whenever you rip anything apart, it's never going to be the same again. Can there be new love? Can there be relationships? Let's talk about it. Let's look at this here. Because at that time, we understand that there was divorce that was happening that was hurting people. Listen, divorce isn't just something new that started in the 70s. There's been hurt that's been there. Sometimes the church has known how to deal with it. Other times it hasn't known how to say it right. God says in his word here, God had a plan for one man, one woman to be together and that that was to be marriage. That the two would become one flesh. That nothing separated anymore. Everything would affect the one that we love. If we open ourselves up to something, it will affect our spouse. It will. There's a relationship tie that goes on there. So what does divorce do? It tries to separate us. It separates us bodily. It separates us spiritually. And it leaves a scar and a hurt. Children in the mix of those kind of relationships. You know, years ago, people used to say, well, if a child's parents were divorced, they're most likely to end up in divorce in their life. I've seen that happen a couple times. But you know what I've seen the majority of time? Kids that had parents that divorced are determined to make their marriage work. And they'll do anything they can to fight to make their marriage work. So how do we balance it? What do we look? Is God mad at divorced people? You know the reason that even the one scripture that says God hates divorce is because of what it does to people. It hurts them. 
And God's all about love and restoration. Amen? He's not about torturing you. God is not looking to whip on you. God is looking to love on you. And yet today in our world, it seems that with a lot of young couples, they think that just having sex with each other is just like going out for pizza on a date. Oh, it's just the next thing that we do. Instead of understanding that the marriage bed is supposed to be undefiled, you're to be coming together as husband and wife in that first moment together with that kind of a love relationship. You ever realize this? Relationships leave a mark on you. They do. Uh, you got a friendship with somebody and you don't see them for a long time. Have you got friends like that that all of a sudden you see each other after years of separation and it just seems like you pick right back up? You can hug on them, you can love on them, you can tell them your secrets because they left a mark on you. Jesus is leaving a mark on all of us. And that relationship is there to help us. Now, the hurtful marks, whew, boy, those are sometimes hard to let go of. And those past marriages and relationships, it's awful hard to always let everything free come up in your life because those things try to bind you. The reason God spoke here that it was never something for us to just go from marriage to marriage to marriage is because it would damage us. We have friends that uh, when the, the fellow was divorced and years later he met this gal and married her, we were all together for a Christmas celebration and he called his wife his ex-wife's name. That, that didn't go over good. So the next time we got together, it was around Christmas. So Hignite Florist was open at that time. We stopped and bought a poinsettia to take over, and we had his new wife's name put on the ribbon. <laughs> you know, like when you go to a funeral and they have mother or father. <laughs> we knew if he didn't say the right name, it would be his funeral. So we walked in the door to their house at Christmas time, and we presented them with the poinsettia, and it had her name on the front. And she looked, and she goes, well, isn't this for the whole family? And the husband was standing there, and we said, yeah, we, we just want him to remember what your name is. <laughs> oh, boy, he didn't say the wrong name <laughs> after that. Well, the only thing he had a little fun with was they didn't have any dessert made up for us. And so he went out in the kitchen, and his ex-wife's name was Debbie. And uh, he came in and he says, uh, the only thing, we don't have any cake or anything for dessert. He said, I found this box of little Debbies. His wife looked at him and said, it's all right, I love you. Marks get left on us, sometimes painful marks. God does not want you sitting and suffering in pain. Now, I want you to think about this question. Does anybody know what's the unforgivable sin mentioned in the Bible? Anybody know? Carolyn, what? That's it. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the Bible speaks of as the unforgivable sin. So he says that if somebody gets remarried, they're guilty of adultery. Is adultery the unforgivable sin? You know, why does God even categorize it that way? We've got to understand, we've got to look at what he was saying here. Because what happens, even if you leave one marriage and go into another one, there's still going to be some old baggage that tries to hang on from that past relationship. Now, the good news is sin in any form is forgiven by Jesus Christ. And when you go to God and say, Lord, forgive me for failing in my first marriage. Heal me and make me whole. You are forgiven. And if you're forgiven, the blood of Jesus covers it completely, and it is in the past. God is not speaking to you that you can never be used by him again if you have went through a divorce. Sometimes in church history, the church hasn't handled it well, and they've said to people, listen, you got divorced, now you can't do anything for God ever again. I had a friend of mine who went to a very strict uh, Baptist college and, and he was wanting to be in the ministry and he made a mistake in his life while he was in college. The girl he was dating became pregnant. And so within their college, they were very, very strict on certain things. And they went to the dean of the college. I spoke to him and they said, we're getting married this next Sunday. Are we still able to school? And they said, no, we're kicking you out. And they said, you will never be used by God in the ministry. He went and married the girl. They're still married today. They live out in Indiana. We were in high school together. He's driving a truck for 7-Up. But one day when we got a chance to talk, I said, so 
what are you going to do? You know you've got this call. This guy could stand up and he could just talk about the word. It would just roll off of him. And he said, well, I'm praying that God will give me a child that will have a call on it because I messed up my life too much to ever be used by God. Boy, if, if that's the case, then three-fourths of America can never be used by God. Are you hearing me on this? Are we making some sense? The reason God hates divorce is because it tears people up on the inside. This is not me telling you, listen, just go out and jump out of this relationship and get into another one. Just go out and do this and, and who cares? Just ask forgiveness when you're done and it's okay. Even when we get forgiven, sometimes there's some old bags that walk along beside us. They hinder us from being the best we can be because marriage is never 50-50. Marriage is 100% and 100%. 50 is when a divorce happens and everything gets split up. Amen? So how do we see this? What is God saying here? He's not trying to be legalistic. He's not trying to hold them back. He's wanting them to understand that marriage is to be a timing and a moment in your life when you find that man, when you find that woman that you believe is God's plan for you. And together you move forward. Together you build that relationship. Together you begin to find how to build those new memories. If anything, if you have friends that are divorced, they need some love encourage them put your arm around them walk with them through this and while other people are throwing stones at them but pastor you don't know what he did to her you don't know what she did to him she cheated on him he cheated on her he did this he did that you know what don't try to just pick sides just be there to love and support because somebody made a mistake someplace along the relationship and we don't even know why all those bad choices were made. But God's word is not here saying to you, you can never remarry again. I've met people through the years that have come into our church that were in situations that they thought because of their past, they could never be used by God again or never be used by God in the future. And at our church, we tell you what the word said. Sin needs to be repented, but life needs to keep going on. God has a plan for you. And the next time somebody in your family goes through a divorce or has situations show up, know this, don't be the one sitting there saying, uh-uh-uh, you can no longer ever be used by God. God wants to use anybody. Didn't he show that through Scripture? <laughs> Glory to God. Didn't he just pick fishermen? Didn't he just pick people that were out in the field? Didn't he pick average men and women that he could use for his glory? because they yielded their life to him. So today, that really concludes our teaching on family. But I want to make sure you understand, there are some folks that they're better off not being married. And they'll find that, they'll figure it out. They're completely happy. There's people that are widows that they don't want to remarry. They really were happy with the life that they had and, and to them, that's all there ever was. Then there are some people I've met before and they've said, well, listen, I've thought about divorce, but I've already put so much work into this one, I don't want to start over. You don't get married to change each other. Change happens because you love each other. But what we have to see is if there has been a breakup in a relationship and a hurt that is somewhere that's there, let's put the salve of Jesus in. Let's let Jesus heal them and touch them. Now, I understand there may be a few of you that might disagree with me on this, and maybe you had a very hard relationship growing up, or you were somebody that was being punished, and now you're sitting here saying, you mean I don't have to be punished? I can understand you wanting to be upset, but you know what? It's okay to be wrong every once in a while. Let's go back to the Word. Let's not torture each other. Let's walk in love. Amen? All right. Join me in prayer, would you? Father, I ask you that you heal families and relationships, that you touch people's hearts, that you help them find out you are the same every single day, and that your truth was to prevent us from just thinking about hopping in bed with the first person who comes along and to know that that was meant for something very special within the love relationship within marriage. Heal relationships, heal the hurts, and find out how to touch each of our hearts by sharing your love with us. You know what we need. And help us to see that as we find out how much you care for us, 
We'll walk in that love every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I know that was a little bit longer, but a uh, very important subject because lots of people or churches just don't even talk about it. All right, let's get into the rest of the word today. Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Man, some of you are all ready for Thanksgiving. Some of you are ready for Christmas with all your plans and activities. You know, 96.1 is playing Christmas music all the time around if you want to change your radio to that to listen to it. Some people, man, they don't want to talk about Christmas yet. When I went and picked up the donuts for the men that were working yesterday putting up the lights, uh, I said, oh, the guys at church are putting up the lights. And the cashier said, what? I said, we're, you know, we got good weather we're putting up. She says, I hate when people celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. And you can just see it in their teeth, you know. She just looked at me. She goes, Thanksgiving's an important holiday. I said, it is. I know it. I said, but, you know, a lot of people are really busy, and this is a great way to get it done and out of the way so that when the time comes, you're ready to celebrate. And she says, there won't be any Christmas up at my house before Thanksgiving. And I looked at her, and she, and she knew who I was. And I said, well, just don't drive by our house. <laughs> Why? I said, because with good weather, I've already put the snow family out front. <laughs> and I looked at her and said, have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Grabbed my donuts and took off. Well, God bless her. Are you there, 139? Take a look at uh, verses 13 and 14. Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14. For you formed me, or you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. God covered us while we were in our mother's womb. Now, there's a Hebrew word there in uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the word actually can be translated out also to this other term that we would speak in English. So being covered is also interwoven. Have you ever been around somebody who was weaving? And sometimes when you go to some of the fairs or carnivals and places or even tourist spots, you'll see someone with a weaving loom and they'll be doing something that you just don't see all the time. And it's just a craft. It's something special they do, but all the fabric is interwoven together. It's not loose. This way, when it's woven together, it will stay together. So think about it this way. As he speaks out here, he says, for you formed me, you covered me, you interwove me. So how are we as people interwoven? Well, let's see. Think about this. We have white bones, we have blue veins, and we have red arteries, and they're all woven together. Did you know that part? When our girls were little, they had watched a show Full House. You know, it still runs on reruns and things. Pardon? Oh, home, was it Home Improvement? Okay, well, you know because you were the one being tortured. And so one day, Megan's older sisters came to her and said, you know, you're adopted. And actually, you're an alien. Look at your arm. See those blue things there in your arm? You don't have blood inside you. You are an alien. And she came running to her mother. Oh, the girl said, I, I'm not your child. I'm an alien and I live here. Of course, that one of those people is your youth pastor. So <laughs> I thought it was interesting. You know, she got over it pretty much, right? Are you feeling the pain yet today? Oh, that baggage. Yeah, break it off, baby. Or as Tay-Tay would say, shake it off, shake it off. There you go. <laughs> Taylor Swift, if you're not up with it, there you go. All right. Oh, is it getting hot in here? 
You're interwoven. You're these white bones, these blue veins, the red arteries all together. It's what makes you up. It is part of who you are. Now, God knows you. You're not an accident. Have you ever had, I, I've ran into people who said, oh, my parents had me late in life. I was unplanned. I was an accident. I want you to know something. God has no accidents. People may have some accidents, but God is not surprised. Now, sometimes through the years, people have said, oh, you know, their spirit was up in heaven. And, and the moment that there was life within the womb, the spirit was imparted at that point. No, what happened is that husband and wife came together and a child was formed. Their two spirits brought together. And in that moment, as husband and wife, they brought a brand new spirit into that precious gift of life that was being formed. Just like flesh was coming together through the seed and through the egg that were there, new life was being formed and a new spirit was being formed. You are not an accident. And from the very beginning, God has had a plan for you. And sometimes people feel that they don't fit in or there's something wrong with them. I have to tell you, the God element, if we can call it that here, the God element is a part of absolutely everything that we would ever experience within our life. Our spirits, the relationship that we have with our family, it is a gift that God's given to you. Now, in some situations, some denominations, they say that a child uh, is immediately, if the child has two parents that are not born again, then the child is not covered under the Lord. And if the child would die, the child would go to hell. That's not what we believe. First of all, a child doesn't know yet how to answer and have a relationship with God. So even though the child is born and every person before they come to Christ is under the sin nature, the thing that happened back with Adam and Eve, that child is innocent to the point of them experiencing a relationship with Christ and knowing right from wrong. We take children and we dedicate them to God. We hand them up before the Lord and declare, you are given to the Lord. What happens though? Sometimes people sit back and say, well, if the parents aren't saved, then how can you know that child's gonna go to heaven? Because of the grace of God. If they've never heard or never known, how can they be condemned as a child before God? We know that there are some babies that die in the womb. Some babies die during delivery. Some babies die uh, of sudden death uh, syndrome. All kinds of things that go on. I just want you to understand, remember, everything you read in the Word, you read with the grace of God covering it. Jesus, again, is all about life. So here we see these moments, these relationships, these times together that tie us together. The Spirit in each of us is hungering to have a relationship with God. Now keep that in mind. Look at this next uh, place in Scripture. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. In the New Testament, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, Ephesians 2, starting at verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace. Would you say that with me? We are saved by grace. Then the next part says, not of yourselves, not by works, but then it goes on and says, we are his workmanship. Would you put your hand on your heart and say this with me? I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. One more time. I am God's workmanship. You've seen people, there are things that are produced, mass production, and we see the machines can do a lot of that. But if you've ever been about a craftsman and he's working with wood or those people that blow glass, you ever saw that in the fairs or places you go to, and they heat up that glass, and they have a tube that they're blowing through, and they can make some of the most beautiful artistic expressions through that glass. That is a workman. That is a craftsman. God is a craftsman in your life. 
Hallelujah. Yeah, but pastor, I have this old habit. I have this thing going on inside me. Know this, God is constantly working on all of us. None of us are the finished product yet. You get forgiven of your sin, you're forgiven of your sins, and you are a child of God. But God is still teaching us new things today. I want to hear from heaven. How about you? Amen? I want God to be speaking into my life and helping me every single day. He said, we're his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared before us. In other words, there's going to be things that each of us make decisions about, but we need to decide what we're hearing God say. What's God telling you to do? Sometimes you have to walk away from something good to get something that is from God. Pastor, what do you mean? If it's good, why can't I keep both? Sometimes people want to have everything all the time. In fact, there's a lot of pressure about that. They, there's this pressure attitude about success that means you have to juggle everything all the time. And so you've got family, you've got work, you've got church, you've got hobbies, you've got all these other things, and everybody wants you to be successful, and you're trying to juggle all of them, and sometimes you just can't do everything all at the same time. Do not put that kind of pressure on you. You have a pastor, but the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I saw a sign out in front of a Chinese buffet the other day that I liked so well. It said, our Chinese buffet is an all-day buffet, but please don't stay all day. <laughs> when we were in Bible college, I worked at a Wendy's one time, and they used to have salad bars like that. And there was this one lady who used to come in, and uh, I'm telling you, she would take her salad, and she would fill it up, and she would go back and fill it up a second time. Then she'd come up to the counter and say, can I have a to-go plate? And she'd get a to-go plate, and she'd fill it up again. And it would be so tight that when she snapped the lid on it, you could hear it pop through the whole restaurant. Man, every time she came in, it was costing us money. But again and again, if you're going to have a free refill, all-you-can-eat salad bar, you're going to have people who will abuse it, as well as those who come in and, oh, I'll take some chick beans over there. I'll take chickpeas, and I'll take a little bit of salad. and You know, it all balances out, I suppose. The truth is, none of you were meant to do everything all the time at the same time. And you can be free in that. How do I find the balance? Well, what are you doing? Are you doing it well? No, I'm not doing it well. I'm just sort of doing okay with it. Wouldn't it be something if we took the pressure off our ourselves to do everything all the time and did what we could do and did it well and did it under the glory of God? I can't tell you what that is. You're going to have to find that. You and God will have to work that out together. But he's telling us here that he's prepared good works for us. I, I want to be in his will. I want to do the things that he's asked me to do. I don't want to waste my time on a project that's good, that I like, that he has nothing to do with. Now, let's talk about the holidays just for a moment. I'm going to throw this in. Because sometimes we all put pressure on ourselves. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Those of you that are having Thanksgiving at your house, maybe you're a little bit rushed today and thinking, Pastor, are we going to get out of church on time? I got to go home and get my fake turkeys out on the table and my pilgrim salt shakers and all this kind of stuff. I've got to get ready because if everything is not perfect for Thanksgiving, we cannot really celebrate. Get ready. Be free. The first pilgrims didn't have pilgrim salt shakers. <laughs> they didn't have little turkeys that unfold on the table that look real pretty. If they had a turkey, they ate it. They didn't have matching napkins with the plates. But I do, Pastor. I always do. Every year my family expects it. What if something comes up that you're not ready for? What if Thanksgiving comes and the little Indians and pilgrims are not on the table looking perfect? You know what? You can still be thankful. Can I get an amen? Don't let pressures hit you like that. Yeah, but are you telling me to be lazy? No, don't be lazy. What do you think Sunday afternoons are for? Oh, wait a minute. They're for naps. 
I'm just wanting you to see that you can celebrate without putting so much pressure on you and still love people. Thanksgiving and Christmas are not just about the outward trappings. It's great to have those things. We see them, they remind us of the blessings that we have, but the blessing starts in your heart. Take that blessing and let it live big inside you. Another scripture, why we're in the New Testament. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Pastor, we almost ruined Christmas. I forgot to put the Thanksgiving salt shakers away. I didn't have out the Santa and the reindeer ones. My grandchildren are scarred. Stop. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Take a look at verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. As the apostle's talking here, he's wanting people to understand something. We're all in a race, but we need to run it to be able to win. There's a prize for every one of us that will call upon God and do our best with it. But he says, I, I discipline my body. I don't let my flesh control me on things. I am led by the Spirit. That's how we're supposed to be, is led by the Spirit. I'd much rather be led by the Spirit than try to impress everybody else around me. Just be the man or woman that you are. Now, there's another scripture I want you to see in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. You know, we talk a lot about success. We talk about the blessings that come by completing things. And I want you to see in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16 something. I want you to learn how to fail with success. I want you to be able to fail successfully. I'm going to say it several ways here. Look in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. He says you may fall, but you're going to get back up. You want to give a gift to your children, parents? Teach them when they fail, when they fall, how to get right back up. Teach them that just because they failed at something does not mean they may not succeed the next time. I thought it was interesting. Some of you, there are different ones today that have reputations within baseball. But there was a guy named Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth, for the longest time, was known as the home run king. But do you know, along with him being known for having the most home runs of anybody at all time, he also held the record for being struck out the most of anybody else in the entire baseball league because he got up to bat and he didn't always hit a home run there were times he got struck out can you imagine if Babe Ruth would have stopped and said I'm tired of being struck out I guess I can't do it anymore I may not be able to win sports is a perfect example that just because you have one game go one way doesn't mean it's going to go that way for the rest of you I put a couple things together. You know I'm a Green Bay fan. And Green Bay had six wins and has had two losses. Of course, last week their loss was to some team out in Denver with ponies or horses or something like that. What, what's the name of the team, Roy? Oh, Bronk. Was that two weeks ago? Oh, well, they've lost twice. But then I take solace because I know how so many of you are Chicago Bears fans. And where our record has been six and two, the Bears have had a record of three wins and five losses. But now today, the, the, the Green Bay Packers are playing the Detroit Lions. Now the Detroit Lions have won one game and they've lost seven. I'm hopeful. Just because they've lost the last two games doesn't mean they're going to lose this one. And if they do, 
I know who will be rubbing it in my face from all of you. Especially the way you posted on my homepage on Facebook. And, and the Bears, they're playing the Rams. Now, the Bears, I'm a little concerned for them because the Rams have a four-loss, four-win situation. It could go either way for them here. But, you know, uh, let's look at their record. With the Bears, they had two losses, and then they had two wins. Then they had two losses and one win. If the same pattern stays in place, they're going to beat the Rams today. So for those of you that were going to sit up and watch the football game, go outside and put your Christmas lights up. They're going to win. Doesn't sports show us that just because you have a mistake, a loss, doesn't mean you're always going to lose? Look at how far the Cubs got this year before they lost. Look at how they won over my Cardinals that had a winning season all along and then they lost and looked like a bunch of girls out there. Oh, sorry, girls. They look like a bunch of aliens out there. Love you, honey. Last scripture today. Let's look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Sometimes we walk away from the vision that God has for us because it's gotten hard. But you know what? Sometimes some things are just hard. You may fail at it, but you keep working at it. And before you know it, you're going to see the victory in it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, take a look at verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now in verse 5 when it says, when it speaks here, denying its power, that word in the Greek is the word that we would translate out dunamis. The same word dunamis there is what happened in the upper room when the disciples were together on the day of Pentecost and the dunamis fell, the power of God. You were created in God's image and likeness. You were created by him to have success. You were created so that when failure showed up, you didn't quit, but you kept on pressing on. You were created to be forgiven when we do it the wrong way. You were created by God to be made whole and complete. You were created to have the dunamis power of God. Let us never deny the power of God within our lives. Let us never sit back and think we cannot be used by God. I'm telling you, no matter what has taken place, if you will give it over to God, he will make it brand new because his power and strength is life. Probably right across the page on your Bible in this same chapter, look at verse 16 and 17. When people tell you the book of the Bible is just another book, look what it says here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, the word of God, has been given to us as God's instruction book. Not to put you in bondage, but to set you free. Not to control you, but to liberate you. God wants us free. Worship team, would you come? Let's all stand up together. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I have to tell you that sometimes people have used the Bible to control people. Sometimes cults will try to misquote scripture to try to dominate people. But just because there are fakes and phonies out there doesn't mean there's not the real thing. Let's be the real thing. Let's be the body of Christ. Let's be so full of love that it transforms our world around us. 
I'm going to open up the altar this morning, and if you need prayer for anything, you come on down. We'll be happy to pray for you. But will you just join me for a moment by closing your eyes and looking up to God? If you don't know him as your Savior today, you know about him in your head, but you've never experienced him as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give a prayer in a moment. You can repeat it right where you are and give your heart to him and be born again and to have your life changed. Or if you need healing in your body, we don't deny that it's there, but we just deny it's right to stay because we trust our God to be our healer. But church, while you are looking inside, listen for the voice of the Spirit. Maybe you just need to be forgiven. Maybe you need to come out of legalism and be a child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Now, if you'd like Christ in your life while others are praying, just very quietly right there, say to the Lord, Heavenly Father, I'm your child. Forgive me of my sin be a brand new start I believe that you're the Savior and my Lord come into my life today if that's your prayer you've been forgiven and a brand new day has started I invite you to come to the altar as others come for healing in their bodies. Whatever you need, we promise we won't embarrass you if it's your first time here. We wait till you've been here a long time, then we embarrass you. I hope you know that we want you to be blessed. And if you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, sing with the worship team or just take a few moments with you and God and love on him today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.